So sorry here. If you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I have a straw, there it is. That's a straw. You see? You watching? And my straw stretches all the way across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. I'll take Daniel Day-Lewis, and there will be blood for $1,000, Justin. And you are a grand prize winner. Welcome to Average Joe's Movie Clubcast, episode 15, and bombastic fan- uh, fashion. We've been on hiatus, but we are back. I'm Justin. And I am Joey. And on this episode, we'll explore middle America life as a young rebel looking to uh, step out of the shadow of his older brother. Um... We'll explore their lives and uh, director Franz Ford's, Francis Ford Coppola's Rumblefish. Plus, may the Force be with us as we tackle Ryan Johnson's polarizing Star Wars sequel, The Last Jedi. And just a heads up, we do discuss our full thoughts on film. So if you've not seen a movie, just skip a fo- skip forward so you don't get any spoilers. And if you want to be a part of the club, make sure to hit subscribe, leave us a comment on whatever your podcasting uh, apparatus is. We'd love to hear from you. And we have a special guest with us, Joey. A long time in the making. I would like to introduce our first special guest, Mr. Ben Higgins, to the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. All right, Ben. So um, I guess I should tee this up. So do you know what the two of you have in common um, with me, by chance? Uh do I? Um, we're part of the same fraternity. Yep. You guys were both uh, my brothers little brothers. brothers. Yeah, yes. little brothers yep. in the fraternity we went to, or we were a part of at uh, Winthrop. So I, I rushed both of you guys pretty hard, and you guys came where, in, and we had some good times up there at uh, Rock Hill, South Ronald Carolina. Campbell? I feel like he should be mentioned if the two of us, if that's being noted as well. Well, yes. Uh, Ron Campbell as well as another... A uh, great friend of us, not not on the podcast tonight, but good shout out to Ron. Um, but yeah, uh, so we've uh, all been kind of good friends ever since then. Uh, it's been over a decade since I guess we uh, we were, you know, having good times in uh, Rock Hill. Um, but uh, so tell us about your uh, love of movies, uh, Ben. Oh, gosh. Um, I've loved movies from an early age. I can remember 
at a theater that no longer exists in Columbia, Jefferson Square, going to see The Wizard of Oz on the big screen. It was just a fabulous, fabulous experience. And um, just always enjoyed the fun action movies, particularly those of the 1980s. And my wife's really into old movies, and you've introduced me to uh, a lot of other great ones. And uh, and now I kind of do this fun side gig making movies for free with a small independent film company in Myrtle Beach. Uh, that I thought I'd plug. Yeah, tell us more about that. You you do some oh, acting, yeah. and do you you also I, do production work. I do acting and production work. I'm kind of the grunt at who uh, who the big wigs just kind of call on usually to do something a little bit silly, although maybe they'll give me uh, more dramatic work. I've also run Slade. I've done a little bit with sound, just, just whatever I'm called upon to do. Just try to be a team player. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about us, Coastal Independent Films LLC. We're very easy to find on Facebook, not as easy to find on the rest of the internet, but do give it a try all the same. Yeah, I think, uh, one, what's the, the zombie movie you guys have on YouTube? Oh, yes, of course. Thirst of the Dead, um, where I have a cameo. Uh, and I actually have a much larger role in a film that came out near the holidays called Mime over magic uh even though i'm a supporting player i guess you could say i've got title role as i portray been the mime in that oh look forward to checking that it's, out it's a talking mime it's that's a funny little bit at least we think it's funny <laughs> oh man what's joey what have you been up to working man <laughs> working and uh i did get out the uh that big that big unboxing video um i don't know if you got to see it that i put out with the with oh the yeah they gave you it's kind of a loot crate kind of concept yeah it was the 50 the 50 random movies that i got from the the second charles up in charlotte um i got a friend of mine who lives in charlotte another one that lives in fort mill so up in that rock hill area we were just talking about um so that was fun um but really really honestly working which was part of that long hiatus um retail and christmas doesn't really leave time for um too much of anything else but i have gotten some movies in um i did of course i got lucky and got to see uh, rise of skywalker on opening night um so that was that was good and you know, i've gotten a few new movies in um since then so a little special delivery this week I did get that special delivery from you. I do appreciate that very much. Um, I did make a short video of that, but it didn't turn out super well, so I didn't upload it. But uh, huh. Justin here, being a being a very nice guy that he is, uh, got me uh, Akira Kurosawa's. Uh, I'm probably gonna butcher this, but uh, Kai Kagamusha. Yep, Kagamusha. Kagamusha on uh, which Criterion. I think was actually produced by uh, Coppola, if I'm not mistaken. So a little connection was... in the night. Um, Coppola, I believe it was Coppola and, um, George Lucas, possibly also Lucas. Sp Steven yeah, Spielberg. Lucas. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy it was... how Kurosawa had trouble getting funding later in his life. And like some of the, uh, big American filmmakers helped him make that. Yeah. I mean, then that like started his run back towards Ran. So <laughs> run into Ran. Um, yep. 
Uh-huh. Uh, for, I'm so a master for, word player. There you go. Um, so yeah, happy new year, guys. It's 2020. Can't believe it. The show, uh, we're sprinting towards a year. I forget exactly when we got started. Sometime in the spring. So we're we're coming. It's taken a long time to get through season one, but uh, we're getting there. Like I said, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, some scheduling things. Um, but yeah, we're back and ready to do this thing. It's kind of the the battle of bandwidth around my place now between like streaming movies and all my kids got uh, Kindle Fire tablets. So you can just imagine like between my wife's phone and three different tablets all like on my internet all at the same time. It makes uh, streaming a little spotty some for some time. So I'm like constantly running around to the computers and shutting off uh, internet here and there in order to have as much bandwidth as possible for uh, streaming stuff. So, uh, Sounds kinda... like it's time to get some fiber or a second a second internet setup. I wanted to boost our internet speed, but it would like I could keep our like Comcast price at the same, and then get a better speed. But we'd lose like fifty channels, and my wife was just like, "No, we are not losing those channels." I'm like, "We don't watch them. We should probably cut the cord." But she's a traditionalist and ha- wants no part of that. Um, I mean, how many how many streaming services do you have? Like. <laughs> I have the Criterion channel, I have Netflix, I have Disney Plus, which I should call apparently you can get Disney Plus like free through Verizon. So I need to like hook that up before I continue paying for it. I did see the first episode of The Mandalorian, which was pretty great. So I should probably continue oh. watching that. Oh man, yes, you you should. But yeah, like we don't have cable because we have we have Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, D Plus. Oh yeah, we I have got Amazon D Plus Amazon Hulu. Prime too. ESPN Plus combo. Um, it's like almost every streaming service. We're like three wrestling streaming services. Like we, like there's no point. Like there's no point in paying for for cable. Like, yeah. So. And I, I I can't remember the last time I sat down. Like besides sports, like actually sat down to like my my tube and like like flick through the channels to find something to watch. If I want to watch something, I'm gonna like, probably like scroll through like my YouTube scri- subscriptions. Yeah, you guys still have uh do you have cable ben uh yeah limited variety my my wife has no problem with dropping channels so we we have a limited number and uh we've also got roku with netflix on it oh, nice and then uh football season that's in uh peak peak uh football season so you're uh, clemson tigers you got the big monday uh... <laughs> monday monday tigers v tigers death valley versus death valley all in uh, new orleans right yeah they the, the, the those faux tigers down there always <laughs> seem to play for the natty when it's in their home state so ah and then uh my vikings had some good luck look good luck in that stadium so uh Excited to see if the luck continues for Kirk Cousin and the Vikings uh, as they take on San Francisco. Um, so fingers crossed with that one. I know by the time this podcast is posted, that game might be going on, but oh well. That's uh, what we're all about. And then um, I'm for uh, Christmas, I'm now a proud owner of a chainsaw. So I, um, well, actually, it started off with a pole saw. I got this Craftsman pole saw, which is pretty nice. And but the fact is, like, you can only cut it in like pole mode, and so like I needed like like a short range distance chainsaw to like you know actually chop up the stuff that I like hacked down from the trees, and so I actually from Lowe's got like a twenty five dollar works chainsaw, so yeah, you can get a twenty five dollar chainsaw at Lowe's right now. So 
just so you know. But uh, expanding my tool collection each year. All right. Well, at least you didn't buy a hockey mask with it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's 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 actually uh it's an electric chainsaw. So can you imagine a slasher movie where the the killer's running around with a corded chainsaw? <laughs> Trips and falls and the thing goes right they through have his to, head They have to find a pair of scissors or a knife to cut it. To cut the line to save themselves. Oh boy. All right, fellas, let's uh, get into this. So, uh, Joey, let's fire up with this um, this new segment we have. It's called uh, n- uh, Movie Night Pick'em. So you're going to throw two movies at us, and I'll uh, let Ben go first to decide which one he would want to watch and why. All right. So not knowing a lot about Ben's movie selections and such, I did this more off of yours. Um, right. So would you gentlemen rather watch... A Clockwork Orange, or Ran. Oh, Ran all the way. Fascinating Kurosawa. Have you seen Ran uh, before, Ben? Um, you know, honestly, I can't remember. I do know I've seen Cage Musha. I'm okay. butchering the pronunciation. Um, also, okay. Southern Samurai. Probably saw Ran. Now, was Ran the... The King Lear remake? Uh, yes. Uh, adaptation, okay. yeah. Adaptation, yes. Um, oh, yeah, ran, ran all the way. I've seen <laughs> Clockwork Orange. I may even have seen it with you, Justin, at one point. And, yeah, uh, we, we had a good movie uh, buddy in uh, at one throw up. His name was uh, Zimmerman, um, or Zimmer. Yeah, Matt Zimmerman. And, yep, also, and, another good one, Ryan Jenkins, who I actually roomed with. And... Yeah, he hadn't seen Clockwork Orange, and he was a big Kubrick fan, so I sat him and uh, you down, I think, um, yeah, one time, and we, we all watched that, had a good time uh, checking out some Kubrick. That That's a hard question, Joey, because I think I've, I've seen Clockwork and Ran, I've seen Ran like three times in the last two years, and I've seen Clockwork twice in the last two years. So, um, oh boy. Um, I guess I would just have to go Clockwork just because it's the last... I, I it's been longer since I've seen that one. It's been it's been about a year since I've seen Clockwork, but I mean, I was just tickled to death last time I watched Ran. I enjoyed it so much. So, um, yeah, it, just proximity. It would have to be Clockwork, and that's and that's one of my favorite movies. So, and I knew that was I knew that's like one of your all time favorites. But when we when you challenged me to watch Ran not that long ago or a couple months ago now, and mm-hmm. we went through that and we both just loved that movie and you much like me mm-hmm. put Ran over seven samurai and most people put seven samurai as Kurosawa's Magnus Opus. And me and you both were like, nah, we both like Ran more. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hit him and see what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to, cause that's why I was kind of trying to come up with, cause I was like, I was, like, do I hit him with, you know, like Kubrick versus Tarantino or Kurosawa mm. versus Tarantino? It was like, that's kind of what I was thinking about when you were like, don't put too much thought into it. It's like, no, nah, I got to come up with something like for the <laughs> for the first time we're, we're rolling this out. And so you would go would you go with Rand? I mean, it's been not long since you've seen it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have no desire to, to, to oh. watch a Clockwork Orange again. That Now, that being said. When I, I watched Clockwork, I put it at like a five-star movie, but I mm-hmm. 
um, I mean, obviously the ability to discern what is good versus what I like. And I probably should watch it again, but I have no desire to watch it. Like if it's just purely, this is what I want to watch for entertainment. You know, I would watch ran a hundred times out of a hundred times over clockwork. Mm -hmm. Yep, and that's another factor that could definitely go into that is if you're looking to be entertained or more looking to, for like a classic. I don't know. It's just such different movies. I mean, ran such an awesome war epic where Clockwork is just this interesting character study. Um, but anyways, all right. So in lieu of going through our recent watches with our uh, good, the bad, and the ugly sec uh, section, since it was since we have gone into a new year. We have decided to go through our top new watches of 2019. So these are movies that we saw for the first time in 2019 ranked. And we'll let our guest Ben kick us off with any honorable mentions or his number five. Um, okay, um, my number five and all five are quite high, really solid movies. I'd okay. have to go with it, it, Avengers Endgame as my number five. Awesome. Uh, great comic book movie, fun time, fitting conclusion to the Avengers saga. I could definitely add that as an honorable mention. Um, I had a great time watching that on opening night. I remember uh, being the sole person to clap whenever um, we got the classic... Uh, I am Iron Man at the end. Um, yeah. Anything? I mean, we've we've gone in quite a bit of de quite a quite a bit of detail about uh, in game on this uh, show, Joey. Any more? Any more nuggets to throw at that one? I mean, I think that was the the first one where we realized we had to start doing special special episodes because that yeah. was we we threw that in one and it it pushed our runtime on the persona episode like through the stratosphere um because we spent two hours yeah yeah we spent a lot of time talking about endgame so <laughs> it that's a really really good movie it's it's a mm -hmm. it's a fitting conclusion um and it was really hard going from that to go watch far from home um and afterwards <laughs> so mm. all right joey um any honorable mentions or your number five all right, so my honorable, I'll do a couple of honorable mentions real quick. Uh, my honorable mention, uh, I had at, uh, if we had done a top 10, it would have been number eight was Ran, since we just talked about that. Okay. Um, and then another movie we talked about and another cast, uh, it wasn't even the main movie, but we somehow, it was in our disobedience one that we talked about, isn't just in comparison, was Blue. Uh, Blue is the warmest color. Um, it was just outside of my top five at number six. And ah. then my number five, and this is going to sound very, very familiar, was mm -hmm. Avengers Endgame. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> two um, for two. <laughs> yes, because I do have a, on my letterbox, I have, as I go throughout the year, I just rank them. So I have a one uh -huh. through 166 list already. So this was easy. I didn't even have to do anything. This was just sitting here ready to go. Um, okay. So yes, same thing like Ben said, you know, fitting conclusion, lots of big spots, um, lots of story closure, um, you know, set up for that that next phase and buddy am i ready for may for my black widow movie yeah <clears throat> so Very cool all right so um yeah i'm i went about making this list because i don't actually rank these throughout the year um so i just kind of did this today and what i basically did was i just went through my um diary on letterboxd and looked through all my five star movies and came up with about eight but i narrowed that down to six um uh room with um is it brie larson 
what a powerful movie experience. Um, man, that I was just in tears and just totally captivated by how that captured the essence of a child in captivity, not knowing what the outside world is. Awesome, awesome movie. Honorable mention to Room. And then uh, my number five, I another epic I saw last year. Um, I caught the new Criterion disc of uh, War and Peace. This sucker is, I think, five or six hours. It's broken up into like four different parts. I mean, this was made in like Soviet era Russia. And this was in like a period of time where like the Soviets are like, okay, the US, you did your version of War and Peace. Now we're going to do our version of War and Peace. That's going to be bigger than better than you can ever imagine. And it really is. I definitely recommend uh, checking out War and Peace. Some One of the most amazing like... Um, I guess revolution, I mean, it's the war of 1812, but I would like compare it to like revolutionary war movies with like the troop formations and stuff. And there's some like amazing aerials and the amount of extras that went into this uh, hard recommendation on war and peace uh, if you get a chance. So that's my number five. Back to Ben for four. Uh, the Witch. I had not seen it before this year. Needed a, needed a solid horror movie in my life. And it's always good to see movies with my wife and, that was fun. Did she enjoy uh, it? Uh, yeah, yeah, she enjoyed it. Uh, or, uh, very creepy, very bizarre, uh, but but ton of fun. Loved loved the time period. I believe it's what set around kind of near the Salem witch trials. Yeah, basically. Oh gosh, that's um, uh, it's Robert Edgar Eggers. Film? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, and of course, uh, really, where Anna—I'm I'm butchering her name now—but what is it, Anna Taylor Joy? Yeah. Uh, kind yeah, of came course. to prom came to prominence. Of course, she had a did a great job in in Split. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, just really enjoyed her role, the creepiness of it all. Yeah, that was a great one. Um, I remember, like, I always thought my sister was a horror movie fan. And so I sat down to watch Hereditary with her. And she's like, oh, I can't stand this. This is so depressing. This is just like that movie, The Witch. And I love Hereditary. So she compared that to The Witch. And so I watched The Witch right away. And I'm, I had a blast watching it. I love uh, real creepy mood setting movies like that. And uh, Robert Eggers really has a way with his uh, old fashioned accents in his movie. I'm not sure if you guys have seen Lighthouse yet, but that is... Definitely, definitely the case for Lighthouse. I'm going to probably watch that with subtitles next time I check it out. Um, no, the, the Witch was one that slipped through the cracks in our, our big Halloween run of uh, our October run this past year. Um, so it's if I, if I don't watch it before Halloween or before October for 2020, it'll be it'll be in there for this coming year for sure. Right on. Your number four, Mr. Porter. My, my number four is The Night Comes For Us. Um, so oh. basically the raid, the raid 2.5, 2.75, if you will, has a lot of the same people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it was in theaters. I, I never heard of it until I caught it on Netflix, but, uh, <laughs> it high, high, crazy octane action. Like, you know, the raid redemption and the raid two brought us, um, just crazy fights, crazy action. Um, and just, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it was about. It was, I I mean, you know how much I like the raid. I challenged it to raid redemption last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's my number four, man. It was it was fantastic. And if you haven't haven't seen it and you like that kind of stuff, I highly suggest going and checking that out. Nice. 
Um, anything about the raid before we move on, Ben? Oh, gosh, I don't think I've seen it. Okay. Oh. oh, man, if you've never seen the Raid Redemption, dude, that is that is some that's some high-quality martial arts action shenanigans. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. So. All right. Um, my number four, um, I had to put this on my list just because it was such an ordeal to actually watch it. Um, this is, and I've already talked about this on the show, but I watched Showa which is a nine and a half hour um, Holocaust documentary, which is, I mean, I split it up into like, I watched it an hour at a time, so it took me a whole week. But um, yeah, what a, what a, I don't normally um, rate documentaries, but I instantly gave that five stars. It's really fascinating to see like, I mean, it was, it was made in the eighties. So it's getting people's perspective on the eighties of like that culture in Poland during the Holocaust. And, um, so it's a phenomenal i mean it's it's worth every minute and in for folks that aren't i mean i'm sure you guys probably don't have a big deal with subtitles but um the the movie kind of cycles through languages so there's like a half hour that's in polish and then they go to like an american expert for a while and then you'll hear from a german and so it kind of cycles through some different languages so it gives you some reprieve um watching you know all that content for so long um but yeah show a well, one of the most important films ever made. Nice. Uh, number three, Ben? I'm going to go with an early American Hitchcock foreign correspondent. Okay. Uh, I, I have some uh, family members who were print journalists for many years. Uh, I thought it had some fabulous special effects for the day, and I really mm-hmm. thought it was a great rallying cry uh, to the um, Americans to pay attention about what was happening in Europe. Yeah, and um, just... I actually recommended that to Ben. That was like our first, like, over the summer, me and Ben kind of got started on our own, like, mini uh, movie club where we were recommending movies back and forth. And um, he had he had said I should think of some um, early Hitchcock, and that was one of the ones that came to mind. So, yeah, that's, that's a solid one. Um, all right. So, uh, Joey three, right? All right. Yes. Number three. This is my number three. This was my number one for six, six or seven months for the year for a very long time. I watched it in January of last year and, uh, it's Justin's favorite movie on my list. Um, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yes. This is the bad times at El Royale. Um, and for most, of the, for a lot of the reasons that Justin likes it, hates it, is the reason that I like it. So whereas he thinks it's a bad rip on Tarantino, I, I like it because it feels like an OG Tarantino movie before his movies got bloated. Like it feels like Tarantino took a time machine and is like, I'm gonna make a movie like I used to. And like Jeff Bridges, like you got Jeff Bridges running around, John Hamm running around doing crazy stuff. You got. I don't know. You got Thor in there looking like he's chiseled out of rock. Like, mm-hmm. dude, like movies. I think the movie's great. Justin disagrees, but you know, check it out. Find out for yourself. It's is is is. I think it's really good. Clearly, is right at number three out of like 166 movies that I watched last year. New movies. I'm looking up who that director was because I did like his previous movie, uh, Cabin in the Woods. I thought was a good time. Um, who is it's that? Drew Goddard. Ah, yeah. 
did some stuff with Daredevil, also Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. Television series. I think Joey's well, a huge Buffy fan. Yeah, I was going to say, there you go. That explains it. I, I've been obsessed with Buffy since I was in high school, so. All right, my number three. Um, I had to go with Blue is the Warmest Color. Um, I guess basically mostly on the surprise factor. Like, I, I, I try to watch Criterion every other night or so. And um, I had been putting this one off for a long time. It was a foreign language, um, you know, uh, gay um, romance and... You know, that's kind of seemed like a lot to chew off, but man, I was totally sucked into that experience. I went into it on the show, just how intimate it felt and, you know, how beautiful the actors were. And I mean, yes, it has the stigma of having these really, really long sex scenes. All that aside, it's it's a fantastic, beautiful coming of age story that I totally got sucked into as a straight white guy in America for connecting to a, um, you know, a French chick. I mean, peak cinema. I'll just leave it at that. Oh yeah, no, that was like I bought that one blind in one in like the July sale or whatever. Um, granted, it was it was already only like twenty bucks, so I only got it for like ten. But no, that was a great nice. buy. Like it, it was my number six, so no, it was it was really good. Um, like and yes, obviously it's not for young people as there's lots of very explicit sexual content and sexual scenes. But it's a it's a great like you said coming of age movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I couldn't say enough good things about it. So anybody who listened to us or, you know, listened to our disobedience um, Mm -hmm. podcast, heard us talk about that uh, blue, like how we wish disobedience was blue. (laughs) Have you seen that one yet, Ben? I have not. All right. All right. Back to you for number two. We're getting in the top. Oh gosh. Um, this was a tough call, but I'm going to go with uh, the Oscar nominee, The Favorite. Ooh, uh, good pick. Really, uh, really beautiful, funny, dramatic film. Not necessarily historically accurate to every degree, but I didn't really watch it for the historical content. I just wanted to see a... I don't know, kind of the same reason I enjoyed Moulin Rouge, just it puts so much out there in an elaborate way. Kind uh, of a modern twist on a period piece, right? Exactly, so, exactly. Pro- I, I I might say it was, um, I guess I will go there. I'll say it was Emma Stone's best performance. That, nice. That she, yeah. Yeah, I was, have you seen The Favorite yet, um, Joey? No, but those are some strong words. I don't know if you noticed that my my eyes perked up when he said Emma Stone's best performance. I like some Emma Stone quite a lot. Rachel uh, Weiss is in it too. Okay. Olivia Coleman won an Oscar for it. Yep, as the yeah the queen. Um, yeah, that that was a great movie. I must have seen that in 2018 because I don't remember seeing that when I was going through my list, but um. Yeah, that is by... Oh, I'm blanking on the director. Can you help me out? Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to look, too. He also Dude. did Killing of a Sacred Deer and um, a movie we talked about la- earlier in the year. The um, uh, Is it Curtis Graham? Dogtooth. No. Oh, I'm going to butcher it. It's, it's a great name. Uh, oh, Yordis, it's... 
Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's a great, great filmmaker. Um, loved everything he's come out with so far. I need to see his more of his Greek stuff. But um, yeah, the favorite was great. It was like Barry Lyndon, but with like this modern um, twist, like we, Ben had said. And they had this whole like fisheye lens that kind of made you feel like you were peering into what was going on. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, with a U. That's why I didn't find it. <laughs> yeah, it has a funny spelling. Oh, it has like the British spelling. That makes sense. All right, number two, Joey. Uh, number two for me. Um, which I watched in October, um, was I Saw the Devil. Nice. And uh, it's a Korean movie, and it's uh, a revenge movie, which anybody who's listened to this podcast for any <laughs> point in time knows that that is one of my favorite tropes with That's Kill Bill being... Yeah, Kill Bill and Old Boy being up there. So it actually it actually has Old Boy in it. So Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So it's... Man, like I started watching this movie and like it was recommended by my roommate, of course. And I just sat there like the whole time going like, holy hell. And we got to this point in the movie where it felt like, like, all right, this is the end of the movie. And then there was more of the movie. And I was still just the whole time like, holy gosh, it was basically (laughs) two guys like who's the bigger badass? Like Mm. who's who's more of a badass? And yeah, like it's. It's gruesome. It's brutal. It's not a movie if you're queasy or any of that. But this mm-hmm. this movie this movie is great. Um, I highly recommend it if you like revenge movies. Um, so I saw the devil. Yeah, I ended up watching that about a month after you had recommended it, real strong. And yeah, I think one of the first things I put in my letterbox re- review is like, you know, how much violence can like uh, I was just. Thinking about um, people talking about movies being too violent and then seeing this one. And I I thought it was totally worth it. Um, You know, what it portrays. It's powerful stuff. I I enjoyed that one as well. I'm glad you recommended it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. So that's back to me for number two. And I finally have a new movie to talk about and not (laughs) one of these old uh, criterions or whatnot. Um, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems instantly became my favorite movie of 2019. Um, This is peak, peak Adam Sandler um, playing a degenerate gambler who not only gambles on sports, he gambles on his life, he gambles on his family, his marriage. And I've seen a lot of people describe this guy as like the most despicable person ever. But man, I thought he was... He was so charming in a way, and I was so wrapped up in this movie. I actually saw it. I went to go see it back-to-back days. I was so enamored with it. Uncut Jim's Adam Sandler. It's probably going to get snubbed at the Oscars, unfortunately. But, um, man, it's Sandler is just aces in this movie. I definitely recommend you guys see Uncut Jim's. It was quite an experience. I will keep that in mind. I've heard nothing but good stuff about that movie. All right, Ben, uh, you're number one. You know, I'm going to go with uh, one that got snubbed by the Oscars uh, in uh, mm-hmm. in the 2019. If Bill Street Could Talk oh, okay. by Barry Jenkins, uh, based on the James Baldwin book, a lot of people said it couldn't be filmed. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not maybe as... 
I, I'm, tr I'm trying to find the right way. It's, it's a movie that I think could work as a play as well. Mm -hmm. It, it's a little more subtle at times, uh, but but just a, a great movie about just a series of bad circumstances for the main character and uh, I guess the struggles of the African-American experience in roughly the uh, late 1960s, I think. Yeah, I remember that being a very pretty movie. I thought it really captured like the the season of fall very well in this one shot where it pans down to the like, the the couple and it shows like the the, the leaves. Uh, yeah, Barry Jenkins, um, great follow up to Moonlight. I enjoyed Beale Street quite a bit. Um, kind of sub subverted my expectations on what the end was. The you know I didn't really see the end coming. Um, I wasn't as high on the film after the end, but I guess I kind of respect the end because of that. Um, so I agree, great movie. All right, Joey. All right. You know, this isn't NOM. There are rules around here. Am I the only one who gives a shit about the rules around here? It took me a long time to watch this movie. And then I absolutely 1,000% fell in love. If anybody hasn't figured it out, it's the big of Lebowski. Number one. Okay. <laughs> number one. Number one, I might have butchered that quote a little bit. I was doing it off of memory. I didn't look it back up, but no, nice touch. Um, so Jeff Bridges again. I got him in two of my top three movies. What do you want? It happens. Um, I don't. There was some movie that I watched. I don't remember which one it was, but I watched some Coen Brothers movie. And I didn't like it, so I just kind of stayed away from their movies. And I remember, like, you know, being being like 13 when this movie came out, and I was like, this movie looks stupid. It's about bowling. It's going to suck. <laughs> oh, you know, I was 13. I was stupid. Um, <laughs> so what do you want? Like, the movie's great. I own two copies of it now. Like, my roommate hooked me up with the cool bowling ball edition uh, 4K with the, with the with the bowling ball that's a pencil holder and it's got the sweater that sits around the around the 4K and then I found a steel book of it at one of my trips to second in Charles. So, you know, I got two copies of this movie. What do you want? The movie's great. Ben, I'm 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 thinking you you speak pretty highly oh, yeah, of this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. I, I don't think I saw it with you, but I I saw it at one point. I mean, if I saw it with you, I saw it again. No, I don't but, think we saw it together. I saw it pretty late. I saw it in college on based on some recommendations. Um, uh, I'm not as high on the film, so I'll let you go first if you're if you're high on this one. Um, funny, uh, great, great Jeff Bridges. I always like it when Sam Elliott is used well. Um, Oh, gosh. Always like it when John Goodman is used well. It's been a lot mm -hmm. of years since I've oh, seen man, it. Oh, man, so quotable. But um, it is very quotable. And, <laughs> You're out of your helmet, Donnie. <laughs> golly, I'm, try I'm trying to think of uh, of where it ranks. It ranks pretty high in my Coen Brothers movies uh, with Orgo being up top. Yeah, it would be mid-range um, Cohen for me. It's just something about the meandering nature of the end of that movie that really loses me. I mean, it's so darn quotable, and I mean, the dude's awesome, but... And I, I guess I'm getting more respect for these, like, 
neo-noir films where it's all about like the, the crazy journey journey and not really the payoff and we definitely explore that when we talked about the long goodbye from altman a couple episodes ago uh joey and i i guess you you obviously like um the dude better than um who's um is it Mar it's marlo is the main um detective in those those noir films um ben do you know are you on i believe so yeah okay all right. Uh, now to my number one. And since uh, Joey inspired me to go quote, uh, I have to go quote. I'm a quote guy. And I'll say, uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. And uh, this is a movie that um, was part of uh, me and Ben's uh, movie club uh, that we formed. Um, Some Like It Hot. So I had I had heard Marilyn Monroe was like a goddess, but I didn't really understand that until I saw Some Like It Hot. Um what a charming movie from Billy Wilder, Wilder. It's one of the many classic films I saw from him last year. I saw The Apartment. I saw Sunset Boulevard. And I saw Some Like It Hot. And Some Hot, Like It Hot was like instantly my favorite of that. It was so funny and fun. And for a movie being made, it was probably made in the 50s, I guess. But it's just so funny. And um, I had a blast watching it. Uh, Some Like It Hot. Um, ben, any comments on this one? You saw this uh, just just great lines. Um, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemon at their very best. And just the fact that it was made so long ago and the jokes still work. Oh, absolutely. And um, especially for being like the original like cross-dressing comedy. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it 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 set set the tone. <laughs> the cross-dressing comedies to come and none of them quite had its magic awesome awesome any final words um uh, joey oddly enough uh me and carl were just looking at that on our amazon watch list like last night or nice. the day before so yeah because i actually haven't watched uh I haven't watched a movie where, where Marilyn's the star. Like we watched Asphalt Jungle last year and you know it's like mm -hmm. like her first movie and you know she she's not the star of that movie by any means. She's just like in the movie um very little. So we were definitely just looking at that um oddly enough. So good to know that it's gonna be uh like top notch. Um because we were looking at that in like seven year itch, um, which obviously is the very the movie where the very famous Marilyn Monroe scene came from. Okay. Um, and, and I, will, I will say, too, it was the uh, second time I had watched it, and um, I feel like I, I feel like I did not remember how much of an action film that could be at times, just how oh, yeah. violent it could get. Yeah, the gangster stuff little, elements are for real. a little bit startling to mm -hmm. me because my memory of it is that it, my memory of it watching it as maybe a 10 year old uh was the Marilyn Monroe patty cake type stuff and mm -hmm. the nobody's perfect line and I like edited out the violence oh yeah it definitely gives them it definitely adds some great stakes for why those guys need to get out of dodge and <laughs> dress up like ladies and, and now I have a better context of the St. Valentine's Day massacre as well being awesome. a little bit well, I'm glad we talked about all those great, great movies, and we have some more to come up after this quick break. We'll see you in a second. Welcome back to the Average Joe's Movie Club cast. This is Justin, Joey, and Ben, and now is our feature movie of this episode, Rumblefish, 
from 1983, which is Criterion Collection Spine 869, and was directed by the legendary director of The Godfather himself and Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford Coppola. Haven't seen enough movies from him. Probably should. What led this to coming on your uh, movie club list, uh, Joey? Uh, well, uh, pretty much what you just said. I wanted to see more movies by Coppola because, um, you know, he's the director of The Godfather. He's super acclaimed. Um, and then, you know, you read the cast list and you're like, uh-huh. holy hell. Um, and I read the description um, and seemed pretty dope. So that's that's pretty much what led me to putting it on there. All right, here's a little synopsis from uh, Wikipedia. Uh, the film centers on the relationship between a character called Motorcycle Boy, um, played by Mickey Rourke, which, compared to what he looks like in The Wrestler and, like, Iron Man 2, <laughs> Mickey Rourke is, I guess he hasn't aged well because he looks like a totally different person. Um, He's had facial reconstructive surgery from being a boxer. Oh, did not know that. That is a, that is a great factoid. Um a revered former gang leader uh, wishing to live a more peaceful life, and his younger brother, Rusty James, played by Matt Dillon. And we definitely know that his name is Rusty James because they say Rusty it 4,000 times in this movie. 4,000 times in <laughs> you the know, first Rusty scene. James. Rusty uh, James. <laughs> Rusty James. <laughs> You're Cuban. Rusty James! There you go. All right. A teenage hoodlum who aspires to become as feared as the motorcycle boy. Um, It's important to note that Coppola um, was writing the screenplay for um, this movie while shooting The Outsiders. Which, did you guys read that in school? I did not. I'm familiar with it. Uh, I may have read some of it in school. Okay, I read that one in uh, middle school. I thought um, it's basically like your traditional greaser story. Um, I'll get more into it in a few minutes, but um, they yeah, also has a fantastic middle school. Okay, I'm sorry. Also a fantastic cast and um, some great tie-ins uh, with this movie. So, um, all right, where do we start? So, um, Joey, why not? Um, since this was your on your pick. Um, you want to go on your, some of your first impressions? All right. So the first thing that, that struck me was when they when they ran like Universal or the name of the movie production company across it, that it was black and white. And being a movie in the 80s, you don't expect that. So that was the first thing that just threw me off. Or didn't throw me off, but just the first thing that I noticed, obviously. We were like, yo, this is in black and white. Um, and... Which, you know, you find out later why. Um, why it's in black and white. They did that for a reason. But um, I kept... Meaning the fish? Well, the, the, the fish popping against the color in the black and mm-hmm. white. But okay. so, like, the whole time you think Matt Dillon, so Rusty James, Rusty James, Rusty James. Yes. Like, he, he's portrayed as the main character. But really, like, Motorcycle Boy is the main character. Because he's colorblind. And this whole thing is through his world. Like, this is his whole world. Like, that's why it's in black and white, no? Like, that was what I took away. He's colorblind? Else... This is near yeah, they me. Mi- yeah, they 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 Yeah, they, they meant they do. Huh. I did not. I did not. I, I've seen it twice now. I did not pick up on that at all. So that's... that's. Yeah, they mentioned that. Also, it's in the Wikipedia. Oh. Ah, should have... Shouldn't have dwelled more down to that. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. So, um, I mean, may, maybe you know, like that's that's what I feel like they made it black and white. Was it's this movie? While they they say it's about Matt Dillon, or it seems like it's about Rusty James, it is about Motorcycle Boy, and huh. interesting. At take. least that's m- my perspective. Um, I would have liked there to have been some more rumbles. Like there's really the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the movie to have been fairly short, 90, movie, 90 minutes is pretty short for a movie. Like, I felt like it was never going to end. Um, <laughs> like, I was just like, man, this movie is taking forever. Like, it felt like it was trying to get somewhere and just was dawdling along and just taking its time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you read my Letterboxd review. I'm not going to be that vulgar on here if I don't have to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, like I didn't like any of the characters. I didn't really find any of them redeeming. Like Patty and her sister were probably the two best characters and they were just kind of there really again to just to show that Rusty James was not that good of a person. Um, their father wasn't that great. Motorcycle boy also has a dumb, (laughs) you ever like Dennis Hopper? (laughs) You always ragging on Dennis Hopper. You didn't like well, him, man. In, in, in his defense, I'm told this was before he went to rehab. I had I read okay. that somewhere. Well, no, not his performance. His performance was fine. His, his, his character. Oh, his character is awful. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, no, none yes, of the absolutely. none of the performances were bad. Like, like from a from a technical standpoint, the movie is fine. Like, the the camera work is great. Cinematography was great. Like. There were some really crazy good shots, and like the fish, the I guess in the Wikipedia it said they were Japanese. I thought they were beta fish, but uh, mm-hmm. the rumble fish, the the color popping was great. And then the one scene at the end where they they use the color when when um, Rusty James is punching the cop car, like all of that was great. No, like the Coppola part, like like the Coppola directing and camera work and all that was great. The actual. The screen, the screenplay part of it, the writing, all of that, like, <laughs> this is the same guy who, who wrote The Godfather? Like, really? Was he drunk? Like, all right. Oh, well, and it, it, it wasn't just Coppola. It was also I, the author of the book, S.E. Hinton. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm aware. I know it's off of a novel, and they wrote it together. But it's like, I'm... I'm just gonna let you guys. I'm. I'm. I, I've said. Yeah. I'm gonna let you guys. Chime you want to in. give your uh, first so, impressions, Ben? I mean, it's it's such a well-made, well-crafted movie, and Mickey Rourke's performance is absolutely outstanding. But it's definitely not a movie I especially enjoy. It's mm-hmm. a movie I appreciate, but it's not a movie I want to spend a whole lot of time with in my life going forward. Gotcha. Uh, I had a similar experience as Joey the first time I watched this. Um, I remember not being invested in the characters like at all. And remember it was kind of, I was just kind of, thought it was kind of dull and it really wasn't until that whole out-of-body experienced um portion where i was like kind of a little bit more drawn in and after that they have the whole um metaphoric element with the fish um but this time like what really drew me into it this time is like so the first time i said um 
Like I didn't really catch on to the stylistic stuff until the latter portion of the film, the film. But really, the whole movie is really dripping with Coppola's style because you have all these like long shots of like the clouds, and you have this really strange xylophone music and some really strange uh, camera shots. I remember in particular when Rusty James was getting with the the girl. Um, there's like this overhead like kind of floaty shot. So man, this thing is just dripping with all this like extra style. And I really didn't appreciate, like, so I did a little research. So when would you say, the, what do you know what year this movie takes place, Joey or Ben? I mean, I thought it was in like the 50s or 60s, especially mm-hmm. you know, before they said that he was he was colorblind. And I go, oh, well, this is from Motorcycle Boy's point of view. Like, I was like, hey, this is, it's been the 50s or 60s, and that's why it's mm-hmm. in black or white. But then I assume this is what you're about to get to. They they kind of throw a curveball in there mm-hmm. to 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 throw the year the year setting off, and I'll, I'll let you continue about that. Yeah. So initially, when you think of a uh, like a greaser movie, you are thinking like the 50s and 60s because that's when that style was. I don't know if you guys ever had like decades dress up day in school where you'd like go as a greaser where you have like the white t-shirt and you have like the the pack of cards in your shirt and like the the penny loafers and the slick back hair yep exactly but uh joey's showing how you roll it up um okay so that was my impression of greasers and the outsiders perfectly captures that what's really cool about rumblefish is it's this greaser mentality but stuck out of time so this movie i to my understanding this movie takes place in 1978 because of the the debbie does dallas marquee on the movie movie theater and that's the year that Debbie Does Dallas came out. Um, it might have taken place in the 80s. And maybe that was like just an extended run of Debbie Does Dallas. But to my understanding, and could you say where exactly this movie actually takes place? Isn't it in Milwaukee? It's in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So like oh, complete yeah, I, that, like middle, that, middle America. Well, that, so, that I need because the whole thing is from there. Okay. And then um, The Outsiders actually also takes place in Oklahoma. So they're very camaraderie stories. But this is much more avant-garde slash like surreal in its presentation of like this idea of being this kind of hoodlum, outcast, rebel character, James Dean type, but stuck out of time. So I got got a lot because like the whole reason he like feels like he's so lost and that he really has no place um and then that like this era has gone by the reason it feels like that is yeah it's exactly what what the case is i mean he's there's no rumbles because there's no rumbles to be had really besides uh you know that the fight in the beginning whenever um motorcycle boy um shows up i i I liked your comment about it um mickey rourke's performance being so good ben because it's it's so subtle like i never really remember him really seeming like he was pushing um, Rusty James to have a better life. He was just kind of like calmly telling him like stuff about their past. It wasn't real um, forceful. You know, he was just like, yeah, you know, out West, you know, that's where mom went. And he's like, well, why did that happen? He's like, I don't know. You got to have kind of find it out for yourself. Rusty James, that kind of deal. Earlier in my life, but later in his life, uh, there was the movie Barfly which he does such a fabulous job in playing a, uh, a raging alcoholic. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, I mean, maybe even a better job than Nicholas Cage did in leaving Las Vegas. And just, hmm. uh, 
unfortunately, life tended to imitate art a little bit. And, it, and you, you kind mm -hmm. of wonder if he had had a better handle on things, would we be talking about him in the same breath as, say, Daniel Day-Lewis and hmm, some other big-name actors who really have honed their craft? Because he, uh, I, I mean, you, you know, you know he, could have, he could have been an Oscar contender. And, uh, and he was, had he was for the wrestler. His, well, obviously, yeah. After he had his comeback, so back from yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, his his performance, I, I could I could watch again and again. I, and I, I love I love your comment about the subtlety of mm -hmm. of that performance because he he wants Preston uh, James. I don't know why I'm saying in a southern <laughs> accent to, to find his own way. It sounds very southern. I was kind of I was kind of taken aback by whenever he like throws his motorcycle, how it does that little flip. I was like, whoa, <laughs> didn't expect that. And and that was before it really clicked with me of how further in the future, like your initial impression of this movie should be taking place. Um, but just to dive into this excellent cast, got Matt Dillon, who was also in The Outsiders. We've been talking about Mickey Rourke. Uh, Diane Lane, who was also the girlfriend in The Outsiders. Dennis Hopper. Nick Cage. Was, did he have a prosthetic on his nose? What was going on with Nick Cage's nose? Did he get like a rhinoplasty? What's going on? What, did, did you guys remember? Not, not, not clue. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but. <laughs> he had a big old snoz in this, and I... I, I I wasn't used to seeing uh, that. I mean, man, he might have he might have had a not nose job since then. He might have also just gained some weight and m made his face not look as thin. Yeah, he's but, pretty young in this. I think what well, yeah. he's um he's related to Coppola, right? That's his yeah, uh, Coppola's yeah, yeah. his uncle. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is uh well on the letterbox is or not the letterbox the wiki here it says it's his first performance, but I just watched Fast Time at Ridgemont High. And mm -hmm. he's Nicholas Coppola, the first and only time he ever used his, his last name before he okay. changed it to Cage. So. Now, wait a second. Um, what was it, like Valley Girl or something? Yeah, it came out like the same year. Like I think okay, they recorded, yeah. like Gotcha, gotcha. And Tom Waits and uh, Chris Penn, too. So, man, whenever they're out in the bar at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> and speaking of milk, <laughs> Rusty James orders uh, what, a chocolate milk, right? Yep. <laughs> so even that has kind milk. of an even that even no. that's kind of like early on making you think yeah this is the 50s then more than that those hard chocolate milks <laughs> so um goodness um yeah because it's right after they're like uh lawrence fishburne's like yo dude says he wants to kill you and he's like all right whatever oh, yeah, lawrence he fishburne. This down. Lawrence he's like fishburne. yeah I'm, he's like i'm gonna get this chocolate milk and i'm like all right dude you know because they're just shooting pool and he's like, i'm gonna order this chocolate milk i'm like all right, cool, you know, whatever. It's the fifties, and then as he hinted, the author makes a cameo as a prostitute in the film. She mm -hmm. is the uh, the hooker, and uh, just just blinking, you'll you'll miss her. Uh, uh, but, um, but a nice nice little shout out to her there. There you go. Uh... Oh, yeah, the whole that whole party, like in the streets portion of the film, like I was like, man, this must be like New Orleans or something. But then, uh, yeah, it's definitely Oklahoma. 
Um, what did you guys think of the out-of-body experience? Did that kind of take you for a loop? It, it did for me. It, it didn't work so well for me. Okay. I, uh, I, I don't know. I was... I, I wanted it to stay a little more down to earth, although what um, what Coppola does with the rumble fish is is excellent, and I uh, loved the glorious black and white. Nice. Any thoughts <clears throat> for you on the floaty sequence, um, Joey? I was not a fan. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, needless to say, it was. Uh, I I wish I could remember. What I said while watching that, um, yeah, no, I was, I was, I, WTF. <laughs> um, I made a reference to something else and I don't remember what it was now in the moment, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, um, but it wasn't the weird, it was not the wildest thing. What, what the hell's up with the sewers, man? <laughs> the sewers are on fire like the whole movie. No one said anything. No one cared. No one notices the sewers. The whole movie throwing smoke out. I just kept waiting for Michael Myers to roll out through the fog and kill somebody or something. Like, why the whole time were the sewers on fire? Are you sure they were on fire? I mean, don't don't most sewers kind of admit that? that I, maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm not an that expert much, on Yeah, I didn't catch that at all. But uh, I'll have to look back for that. They literally, maybe they weren't on fire, but there was smoke coming out of them the whole time. Like every scene, there was just smoke. There's the scene where um, Rusty James gets off and he's he's waiting for Patty. Patty, yeah, that's right, right. Yes, the the girlfriend. Yes, Patty. And yeah, she doesn't matter <laughs> yeah, in the context anyway, of the story, really. She's pissed because, you know, he was like, I'm going to take you out to this concert and then doesn't and then goes to that party and sleeps with the other chick. And so they're walking down the street talking about this. And he's like, baby, I didn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's just billowing down the street the whole scene. And I'm like, what in the blue hell is going on here? The whole effing scene. And there was multiple scenes where there was just smoke everywhere. And I am sure that there is something that Mr. Coppola and his brilliance was doing. I don't know what it is. I'm not a freaking film genius, but <laughs> what in the hell? Anyway. I have to look back at that and see if I can interpret it. <laughs> yeah, I totally missed that. Um, yeah, and I guess, I mean, we, we've already kind of mentioned the... Um, the fish. I mean, that's the one spot of color. Did you guys notice that there's fish in the beginning too? Yeah, when they're walking, and he's like, "We're going to a rumble," as they walk past the fish. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. So, um, yeah, and like they say, um, the reflection they causes them to lash back out, and you know that's very reflective of Rusty James being kind of trapped in this little town, um, being this fish out of water essentially because he's. He has a mentality of a guy from the 50s, 60s, but he's stuck in the 70s. Um, goes out west to go find himself. Pretty cool shot at, of the of the the coast at the end, though. Beautiful. Uh, I don't know if that's, what, Los Angeles, San Francisco Bay? Somewhere in California. <laughs> yeah, something oh, yeah. like it's, that. It's definitely somewhere in Cali. The shot itself was great. 
I, of course, just kind of groaned because he was like, I got to the coast and my brother didn't get there. I don't, I don't know. At that yeah. point, I was... I was his brother did get there and then he came back. No, his brother got to Cali, but his brother never got to the ocean. Ocean, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that conversation. Yeah. Huh. So, and normally that kind of thing is, ah, that's a good tie-in, blah, blah, blah. But I, I don't know. At that point, I was, <laughs> I was just mostly done. I was so done. <laughs> well, I was definitely dreading this one coming back in, but I'm actually glad you um, had it on your list. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit more, even though I rated it four stars the first time, and I rated it four stars this time, and I enjoyed it more this time. So, eh, go figure. Um, yep, a greaser movie about a greaser in the wrong era with lots of um, avant-garde stuff from Mr. Coppola. Like, maybe realizing like earlier in the movie that you know he was out of place like mm-hmm. would have made a big difference because i'm like they're greasers why 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 is this one guy like yo don't do greaser stuff like maybe that would have made some difference it really kind of or explains you... why he's so mopey and then you kind of if you appreciate all the all the extra camera cra- uh, stuff that's that's it, that's part it, of the reason why i it, liked it more and then like you know the cop just shoots him off camera and like literally he just has some fish like don't think he tried to attack him. He was just trying to put the fish in the river. Now, obviously, we know throughout the movie... When they broke the in, wasn't it. there, like, the alarm going off? Well, yes, but he was all the way away from the store going towards the river. Oh, you're overthinking it, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he didn't try to attack the effing cop. Obviously, no, the cop no, had it no, out for him. Yes, yes, and and that's, that's backed up uh, by, by some critics more reputable than, than, than us, the... The cop having it out for him. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Just, yeah, he, he definitely. Him, he feels like a 19, an older style yeah. cop, for sure. Yeah. Although then, I'm sure the 70s cops were pretty aggressive too. And then just you know, and then like 30 seconds later, oh, his, his he's his younger brother, and like you know makes them let him go, and I'm like, he just ice this guy for the smallest thing, and then just has them let him go after he just busted the cop car, like. Sure, you know, whatever. <laughs> consistency. Just give me some consistency. <laughs> it's the avant-garde. There's nothing consistent here, <laughs> except for colorful fish. Yeah, I guess um, in terms of the outsiders, I think I've I've mentioned that already quite a bit. I just wanted to throw out all the cast names from that movie. You have um, Emilio Estevez, uh, Ralph Macchio, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze. Rob Lowe, all from these uh, this previous Greasers movie that um, Coppola made for a more a younger audience. And watching that, I mean, like the main characters like Pony Boy and his brothers like Soda Pop, and it's the same thing as like the whole Rusty James thing where they keep on saying these um, these uh, nicknames over and over and over again. So yeah, there's Rumblefish for you. But now we're gonna talk about something a little bit more sci-fi. Joey's Challenge movie. Fantasy. We're move into fantasy, adventure, sci-fi, all of the above, Star Wars, um, where Joey wanted to challenge us to check out the second movie in the Disney Star Wars sequels franchise, The Last Jedi. What's it all about, Joey? All right. Star Wars The Last Jedi um, is a 2017 American epic space opera film written and directed by Ryan Johnson. 
Um, you said it's the second installment in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. It followed The Force Awakens, and it's the eighth episode of the nine-part Skywalker saga. Uh, it follows Rey as she receives Jedi training from Luke Skywalker in hopes of turning the tide for the Resistance in the fight against Kylo Ren in the First Order, while General Leia Organa, Finn, and Poe Dameron attempt to escape a First Order attack on the dwindling Resistance fleet. And there you go. All right, Ben. How, you th- uh, how, many, how, many, how many times have you seen Last Jedi, Ben? Uh, this is the this was the second time. Okay. And has your impression changed oh, at all? Absolutely. It's it's gotten much stronger. Uh, well, excuse me, much more positive. Although some of the weaknesses I saw in it the first time, obviously haven't disappear because it's it's the same movie um but yeah the uh it it feels more like a cohesive part Mm -hmm. of the story um and you know watching it with with my good buddy uh paul inman who's a much larger star wars fan than than i am i noticed a whole lot more um and uh, I've, I've just really come to appreciate how this film upends the mythology of Star Wars a little bit in a good way, maybe more than a little bit. Um, I actually uh, think it's the, the best of the uh, Disney Star Wars films. Uh, not counting Rogue One, which I think is actually the best oh, interesting. Um, of the... I don't know of uh, the uh, the ones that have come out. I would actually put um, Last Jedi in my whole. It's not. It's no surprise if you looked at my letterbox ranking of my Star Wars movies after this watch. I put um, Last Jedi right up under Empire Strikes Back for like my all time favorite Star Wars movies. Um, maybe it's a good idea to maybe we should all go through our list of like some of the silly stuff in this movie and get all that out of the way before we talk about some of the awesomeness. Um, Joey, want to tee us off on that or? Okay. So I'm going to go in also on this. This is the, in my opinion, this also the second best numbered Star Wars movie behind Empire Strikes Back. Um, nice. I also think Rogue One is the best Disney Star Wars movie. Um, okay. Um, and I, I think that, um, in the prequel or the sequel trilogy that Star Wars, the last Jedi is the best and it's not even remotely close. Um, so there are some things that are silly a little bit, um, in, you know, like maybe like they don't need to necessarily do like some of the the racing stuff, but they use some of that stuff to set up some other stuff later. Um, I think I'll nominate space walking Leia for the silliest moment of the movie. Oh, you mean her using the force to save herself? I guess. Is that what you mean by space walking? It's it's out of place as hell. Oh, you you mean the, the the daughter of one of the most powerful force users of all time using the force in a high stress situation to save herself? Okay, gotta I, 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 go with Joey Porter here, Justin. That 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 was I had no problem with that. I just think what? it look. I, I I don't have a problem with Leia being able to do that, but it it looks silly. Now it, I w- I will say that scene as they had already filmed a lot of the movie and then she passed that that could have been a good time 
Mm-hmm. to if they wanted to now granted i know disney has times you know time and they wanted the movie to come out at a certain time and going and re-editing a good chunk of the movie and then a good chunk of rise of skywalker also as well mm-hmm. to that that would have been a good time like if you were like hey we can write her out here and, and change some stuff and that would have changed a lot but mm-hmm. i feel that would have been a time that you know if they would have had the time to do it would have been a, a the place to do it because even though i knew she didn't die Mm -hmm. I knew she didn't die because they said she didn't. That happened. I was like, oh, shit, is she going to die here? But yeah, yeah. I think I had the same feeling the first time. And and, and to put my statement into context, first of all, like me as a Star Wars fan, like, like I'll nitpick these movies a little bit, but no, no nitpick that I'll ever get will actually make me dislike it because of a nitpick. It's just I'm just pointing out little things. Um but I mean, in terms of all like the, the moments that are like, really, um, I just think this one sticks out a little bit as to me as kind of like a, it didn't really fit in. Um, did you guys have any other nominees for um, oh, gosh, stuff that yes. doesn't work? Uh, I mean, I realized it was setting up his cunning plan, supposedly. But the cold waiting sequence near the beginning. Oh, the, the comic relief I is find, great. <laughs> I found that a little irritating. Oh, okay. Um, but but I, I was I I mean I was told oh well this set up uh, Poe Dameron's great plan, which I suppose is true. But it I, it just. It just kind of took me out of the moment. I wanted them to play it a little straight at the beginning. Okay, well, I'll take your uh, Poe doing call waiting joke and raise you a Finn walking through the hallways in a leaky jacket. <laughs> Which, by the way, that one worked for me. Okay. And I learned from my Star Wars calendar today that that okay. leaky jacket is called a Bacta suit. So I'm gl- <laughs> I don't I don't want to read the whole calendar, but I'm gonna I'm gonna or the whole injury, but I'm gonna quote it here. The okay. Bacta suit when used when a full Bacta tank is unavailable, circulates Bacta fluid to a patient's damaged areas. Mm-hmm. The gelatinous substance is known to regrow tissue and heal concussions among other infl- afflictions that was humor that mm-hmm. i pulled and um okay. plus it, it happened to uh to to my favorite character of of the new trilogy uh ben who, who okay. i think has been underutilized in some respect and Despite my a few of the problems I had with Rise of Skywalker, I do feel like, mm-hmm. in certain respects, they they gave Ben, they they kind of concluded the story of Ben in an enjoyable way. But I'll, I'll get into a little bit later what disappointed me about Rise of Skywalker with Ben that they had set up okay. I thought, in Last Jedi. And I do like the callback to Empire Strikes Back with um, how Luke was healing in the in the water. I thought that was kind of a callback to that. But um, just a little comic relief moment that eh, I could have done without. Um, any silly so, moments for you, Joey? So do you are are you not a fan of comic relief generally? Because the, all of the movies are 
fairly chock full of them. And oh, I, I love the call waiting scene. Oh. I, I laughed. I, I busted out laughing in the call waiting okay, scene. Okay, because there are a lot of a lot of people who who whose major complaints with the sequel trilogy overall is that they're too much. That there's comedy and there's never been comedy in Star Wars. And I'm like, you guys are full of trash. Like, because there's <laughs> tons of comedy. Yeah. I'm, so, not, I'm not saying that, but I do think at times in the uh, more recent films, we get beaten over the head with, let's try to do a joke. Yeah, because a more we forced. need to squeeze sure. in. A lot of people have that complaint about some of the later Marvel films, too. J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I know. Is, is, um, they fly? They fly now? All right. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, we had a little. We had a little. We had a little Skype ghost there. Skype ghost. Okay. Are we? Are we good? Uh, Yeah, I think we're smooth now. So, um, you were just talking about people not liking comedy. Oh, I was just. I was just curious if that was like an overall general complaint, um, by by either one of you guys, because it's a thing that I've seen on the like, on the internet. I don't mind it in general. Um. I would just say, I mean, I would just, I was just kind of breaking up the movie and and sillier moments versus badass moments, kind of. I mean, none of them bother me. I mean, I love the film. Okay. Um, I guess my next nominee would be the um, like Candlebites. Like the first time I watched this, I was like, "Ugh, why are we going here?" But I thought it actually flowed a lot better with the overall like bouncing back and forth between the three different storylines this time. Thoughts on Candlebites? Do you guys like it? Um, um, is it I'm, bad with, I'm, I'm bad with names. So what's, what's the... That's the casino that planet? The, okay, that's what I thought. Um, that's another thing a lot of people complain about. I, I, I enjoyed that, and um, it serves to set up what the whole kind of idea of what this movie is, which mm-hmm. is that... Resistance? No, well, morality isn't all black and white which is kind of what they were shooting for, especially when yeah. they get back to the ship and they're like, Oh, we stole the ship. Oh, he must be one, you know, he's one of the bad guys. And it's like, Oh, he sold weapons to the, to the first order and to the resistance, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, so then, you know, Poe sees uh, not Poe Finn sees mm-hmm. that, uh, that, you know, morality isn't cut black and white, which, you know, leads to that whole thing where they, you know, uh, Raylo, uh, Kylo and, Ray are basically perfect yin and yang of one another, which is kind of the whole purpose of this movie that gets ignored in another movie, but you know, it's another, another discussion. (laughs) Um, Um, Did you guys watch the documentary that goes along, goes with this movie? The director and the Jedi. I have not. I have not. Yeah. And right in that, in that documentary, Johnson definitely spells out the fact that he wanted a joint um, protagonist between Kylo being the light and, um, Ray being the dark side of the same kind of character. So in that essence, I think the, oh, the force, because I think a lot of people complain about the, what the force FaceTime thing, which I don't have a problem Kylo with. Kylo to be the light and Ray to be the dark? Uh, vice versa. You know what I mean? Okay. No, I just wanted to ask, cause it was like, whoa, was he going to straight flip them? Because brother, like where's mm-hmm. that? And where, where can I find JJ Abrams and like tell him to never make another movie again in my life? Oh, wow. But, uh, by no, the way, I, I if I said like, that, if I, I said that, flip flop, I don't like JJ Abrams like hard stop. Okay. Um. 
not a fan of Alias then. I liked Alias. I loved Alias. Yeah, I thought he was good on TV. I think some of his movies. Um, now, Super 8 wasn't too bad. I haven't seen it, but his two Star Wars movies, I, I like <laughs> them because they're Star Wars, and most Star Wars movies are better than just about most other movies, but... But yeah, uh, I, 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 I can see where you're coming from on that. All right, I'll just uh, wrap up the silly stuff real quick, <laughs> and so we can move on to some more positive talk about this movie. Um, so the the whole milking cow thing, I don't mind. Um, it's kind of silly. It's it's really cool to see in the documentary, like they built that thing. So like it was kind of funny in the documentary how a lot of the divisive divisive parts of this movie, like they, they showed how much work went into that. So I didn't mind that at all. And then um, it kind of. <laughs> Whenever like Chewbacca is about to eat a porg and the porg's giving him the like the little don't eat my friend thing, um, I guess that's kind of like a vegetarian statement <laughs> um, or something. Um, you got that, and then you have the whole uh, political subtext with like the whole um, they let the racing animals go, I guess for animal rights or something. All right, that's my list. <laughs> um, um, so I know a lot of people complain and they're like the whole milking the milking the animal was stupid. Him drinking the milk was stupid. And I'm like, bruh, he's throwing back to like literally him drinking milk in like the first movie. It's a effing throwback and everybody loves those. Chill out. <laughs> so yeah, no, I have, I love this movie and I take umbrance with so many of the complaints that people have with this movie. This really, it really starts with an excellent space battle. Um, although they say dreadnought, a whole lot. The Dreadnought. The Dreadnought. The Dreadnought? Rusty James. <laughs> the Rusty Dreadnought? <laughs> yeah, there James you go. James Knot? <laughs> but um, as a uh, Star Wars fan in uh, middle school, I was always a bit fan of the B-Wing bombers. So, yeah, to see those finally get used and see how powerful they are. Just one knocks out that whole ship. That was That was pretty dope. Yeah, no, the the beginning of the movie was 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 pretty hot, and then there's there's the big scene near the end that was like one of the coolest things I've seen in a movie. The throne room scene. Oh well, no, it's not the throne room. That was also really cool. I think it does. Well, I guess it takes place in concordance with the throne room, or very similar. Okay. Um, the, the with Laura, with Laura Dern. Oh, oh yes, yes. Oh the, yeah. Um, yeah, what they do with light speed is pretty awesome. And what drives me crazy is when you have like these Star Wars fans are like, "Oh, well, where's that in the canon?" I mean, they're making new movies, so they're gonna have to do new stuff to entertain people. I mean, of course they're gonna put new stuff in it. I've never understand that complaint of, "Oh, how did they learn how to do that?" Explain this. No, it doesn't matter. It's, it looks cool. It's fine. I mean, are are they complaining that you know their their lightsabers never end, or that you know when they cut off? an arm that there's blood when there shouldn't be because it's like, a for example, that's... like uh, in rise of Skywalker, I heard somebody complain that how does Poe know how to do multiple um, light speed jumps with a Falcon? I don't care how he knows how to do it. It looks awesome. So I'm good. Did, did they ever explain how like Han did half the shit he did with the, with the Falcon? <laughs> no, he just did it. Cause he was Han freaking solo. Poe Dameron know. is obviously the new Han. Just Although I did miss, po like, that was one of the things I noticed was, um, like, so Poe is like an X-Wing fighter. So, like, to not see him in an X-Wing movie in the last one, that that's that was something I was kind of missing. That I really enjoyed seeing here in uh, Last Jedi. What were some of your favorite moments, Ben? 
Um, oh yeah, yeah, the Laura Dern sequence, and, and just anytime she was on screen and mm -hmm. ticking off Poe, and uh, <laughs> of course, uh, Vice Admiral Holdo uh, sacrificing herself for the good of the cause. Um, let me see. Um, oh, and also the um. The X-Wing, whenever... Did you catch the scene where the X-Wing, like, light speeds into the hangar bay and stops and lands? Uh, it's towards I'm the beginning. Sure. It was a pretty cool moment. Sorry. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, for whatever reason, that doesn't stand out to me quite as much. But, it's really um, quick. It's, it sounds really cool because the, the, the whole beginning visuals were, were just incredible. Um, gosh, um enjoyed enjoyed the training um mm -hmm. that would provide i actually i actually was okay with uh the sacred text supposedly being burned up i i kind of mm -hmm. i kind of liked the uh the yoda and, oh loved it and luke oh my gosh it was just up in things make make us see it in in a mm -hmm. new light because i know a lot of uh, Star Wars fans, I'm guessing, have complaints about that. But uh, I, 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 I appreciate the fact that Ryan Johnson was trying to challenge the audience uh, to look past, to look past what had come before, and was not trying to do a remake, which it sure seemed like J.J. Abrams was trying mm -hmm. to do. In both Rise of Skywalker and The Force Awakens. Now, I'm a little split on that because, like, Luke's curmudgeonly attitude in this movie feels a lot like how Yoda acts in Empire, if you ask me. Um, you know, just to kind of tie those together. But there's a great moment in um, the documentary where um, Ryan came up with the... Because whenever Yoda, like, sends down the bolt of lightning, he just puts one finger up or whatever. And it shows Ryan come up with that and him talking to Oz about that moment. Really cool moment. <laughs> um, Frank Joey, Oz, uh, what say you about Yoda? Hmm? Okay, so where I feel like there's a difference between making callbacks and obviously Luke's attitude of being a, a crotchety old man can be uh -huh. attributed to a like Yoda B like Ben Kenobi C Luke was True. a whiny little bitch anyway Anakin <laughs> was a whiny little bitch they were all whiny like all the Skywalkers are whiny like so of course he grew up to be a, a crotchety old man oh wait also he tried to kill his nephew or thought about it and got caught and then his uh -huh. nephew killed some younglings, took the Knights of Ren, ran away, became Kylo Ren, became on his way to becoming a Sith Lord. Of course, he's a crotchety old man. But making a throwback to Empire Strikes Back or another movie is completely different than, oh, look, I'm going to build a new, bigger, badder Death Star. I'm going to have a fudging bomb run. I'm going to blow it up in a very similar way. And look, mm -hmm. I love... The f I love A New Hope. I love Star Wars. I'm J.J. <laughs> Abrams. This looks cool. Because that was one of the big complaints about The Force Awakens, that it was yeah. too similar True. to 4. And then everyone complained that this movie was too different. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things that I liked was that it was different. And you're talking about that throne room scene, and that throne room scene was great. And one of mm -hmm. the things that I absolutely loved 
was that uh, Adam Driver, who plays Kylo, he turned to Daisy Ridley, who plays Rey, and she's yep. pretty much off camera, um, and so he's basically looking almost right at the camera, basically right at all of us, and he goes, it's time to let old things die. Snoke, mm-hmm. Skywalker, the Sith, the Jedi, the mm-hmm. Rebels. And that was one of my, it was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. One of the favorite quotes um, from the whole series, um, besides obviously the, the most famous cinematic reveal in movie history. And then there's actually a scene from Rise of Skywalker. Despite all of its problems, it might have one of the, it has one of the other best scenes in the whole franchise. But um, for all the things that people talk about this movie, like. Ryan Johnson built his characters. He built what they were doing. He built off of the things that JJ was doing and set them up and people just complained and complained and hashtag not my star Wars. And like all of this, like I knew a lot of people who don't like it. Like the fact that there's three of us on here and we're all pretty much like, yo, this movie's pretty good. It's kind of surprising. Like I expected one of us to be like, no, nah, this movie is garbage. Um, <laughs> No, you know, definitely disagree no, with that. No, no, no. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think you know another thing that people complained about was mm-hmm. why didn't they just blow up the ship? They're chasing them for this whole movie, and they can't blow them up, and they got all this firepower. And I'm like, they literally say the ship's faster than ours. Mm-hmm. We just have to chase them till they run out of gas, and then mm-hmm. we'll blow them out of the sky literally explain it in the movie like everything that most people i've heard complain about in this movie is explainable so the people who are listening to this please for me and for yourself especially if you're a star wars fan which i'm assuming you are if you've watched this movie and all the other star wars movies is rewatch this movie it'll explain everything now if you don't like how they explain it that's one thing but don't be like they didn't explain it (laughs) Or they didn't tell it to me because they most certainly did. Because Ryan Johnson will give you, not in a blatant way, well, some of them were blatant because, you know, that needed to be, but it's not just like <laughs> it, it's it's there, so you you have it. Um, there you go. And that's why, and unfortunately, we didn't get this before Rise of Skywalker because I wanted to talk about this so we weren't bleeding Rise of Skywalker, but you know, mm-hmm. and it, you know, things happen. So, um, I guess I want to kind of maybe discuss. So the subversion of expectations, I think that gets overplayed a little bit. Like you have the scene where like they go on this whole side quest in order to break into the um you know, the Star Destroyer in order to turn off the tracker, but that ends up being all being a dead end. Um, I guess that's kind of a, a subversion because, like, a plan actually fails. Um, what are some of the other subversions? Like, I guess I could see people coming into this thinking Luke's going to act, you know, going to act like this stoic Jedi, just like the end of um, um, uh, Return of the Jedi, but... I, I don't know. I think it makes too much sense with his character after all he's been through to act exactly how he acts. So what are some subversions of um, the story that work? Well, I mean, I think Luke is expected uh, really to save the day, perhaps by some, that he's this superhuman Jedi. 
And while he while he helps the Rebels, he doesn't quite achieve the victory maybe some fans would want. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not as godlike as maybe some fans would like him to be. Whew, what a um, moment with him, uh, with him, with um, Kylo saying, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him, and then he brushes off his shoulder. Oh, that was gold. Yeah, but in in the end, I mean, he still he still gets taken out, and he doesn't doesn't end up killing Kylo. I mean, obviously there was one more movie afterwards, but um, mm-hmm. now did you guys guess that he wasn't there, or wasn't it was it not until the shot in front of the sons of him floating where he it really all came together? Did you did anybody see that coming? Um, there's a spot before the sons are floating where he's. He's walking on the salt, mm-hmm. and he's not moving the salt. Did like you see that? Else, the first time yeah. you watched that, you noticed it. Yeah, okay. in the theater. Because they, it was everything else, like the white moves into the red. Um, and so that was, plus he's like not touching Kylo. Like Kylo's swinging at him, and he's he's not like hitting Kylo. And okay. it was just like, it was like, whoa. Something Personally, I didn't like, put all that together. So. Yeah, I did not. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the uh, the gorilla ATATs, that's a great touch. And shoot, the whole crate planted in general with having this layer of salt that they zoom over and it, it creates the red. Oh, what a brilliant visual. Oh, yeah, no, that all of that was really great. Um, you know, they're just uh, everything that was so panicked and like how they, you know, how are we going to get out of this? And, you know, all mm-hmm. of them, you know, and then Kylo and all of his anger and rage fire on this man. So he takes complete focus off of off of the resistance and straight on Luke. You know, all of, all of that was really great. Um, I like the touch at the beginning where the the girl that dies in the B-Wing bomber, um, she had that little symbol around her neck to kind of add some kind of weight to like, hey, this person has... You don't know what that symbol is, but you know that it means something, and the reason she's fighting is for whatever she believes in. So I thought that it added some great weight to, um, you know, why these people are rebelling against this cause. And that that led perfectly into Rose, which it's kind of a shame that she totally got unplugged for the last movie. Yeah, that that really ticked me off about Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Rose, Rose was a character so well developed in the Last Jedi that more or less got ignored, as you were just saying in Rise of Skywalker, and um, it was unkind. Yeah, um, especially with how, I guess, I mean, it was pretty big news yeah. that she was ridiculed on, like, Twitter or whatever for being there to begin with. I mean, people are on Twitter Trolls. just, yeah, <laughs> they just say whatever they want because they, they can say whatever they want and there's no, there's no recourse, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess being in, mean in to theory, be mean, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess in theory, you know, we can say whatever we want on here, like, like obviously, I just said I don't like J.J. Abrams movies, but I never said like that I want something bad to happen to the man. Yeah. Like, like I don't wish anything ill upon him. Like, 
he clearly can make better movies than I can. Like he's getting paid millions of dollars to do it. I just don't personally, from what I've seen of his movies, like they don't appeal to me. They appeal to obviously lots of people as he makes lots and lots of money doing it. But why would I be like, yo, JJ Abrams, you terrible. Like, nah, brother, (laughs) keep doing you because you make lots of money. I think the cinematography in this movie is fantastic, especially on the island. Um, all those great, great shots of the island. And then, like, like watching Rise of Skywalker and then going back and watching this, like, John Williams' score is so much more inspired um, with the themes that – the musical themes he comes up with for Luke in this movie. It's – I don't think I hear, heard anything new in, in the last movie. I mean they, – they do a lot of things in this movie, and I feel like the – Let's get overlooked. Yeah, I, I feel like the the rise. They just it's kind of a band aid just to kind of end it. Like I don't mind Snoke getting killed in this movie, but where did I mean they totally pushed themselves into a corner? It was it probably would have been better to see if like okay Ryan, you put us in this spot. How would you end it? <laughs> but instead what? they had they played this um, story story arc by committee, which just didn't totally didn't work. It didn't work for the It series. It definitely didn't work for Star Wars. Well, like, I mean, my thought is, you know, obviously Kylo, he kills Snoke. And you're, you're pushing towards Kylo being the big bad. And instead, spoiler alert for anybody at this point who has not seen Rise <laughs> of Skywalker or seen any of the previews, they bring back Palpatine because J.J. Abrams can't do anything that isn't I love the original Star Wars trilogy. Um <laughs> Oh goodness! And completely buries Kylo Ren. Oh my God! And now you have all of these fangirls on the internet, and one of them is a good friend of mine who are like, "I love Rylo. They're supposed to be. They're these Doom Star Cross lovers." And I'm like, <laughs> "He's a freaking mass murderer." Yes, yeah. he was n- manipulated as most Sith apprentices are. Have you not watched anything? So was Darth. Um, it's a pretty Anakin. cool, pretty cool montage of uh, Kylo mowing down people in the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, though. Oh yeah, like so, like I, I feel like Ryan's vision was that Kylo Ren was going to be the big bad in the third movie. I mean, what did you what did you think about? So okay, a, a, a thought here. Um, so I love the Kylo mask. I've loved it ever since I first saw it. I was so intrigued to see Force Awakens because of the Kylo mask, and then he destroys it in like the first like, you know, half hour of this movie. And I think he did it just to make him a more relatable like villain. Um, do you guys? What are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I I prefer. I would have per- personally loved to see the mask carry out the, the whole thing. Keep the mask. I mean, keep the mask. The mask it sounds is, so awesome. I mean, I mean the mask is sounds dope. way better than Darn Bane and Dark Knight Rises. Well, well yes. Um, but obviously, they are paying Adam Driver a lot of money. And um, Adam, you know, Adam ah. Driver is apparently looks pretty nice to the ladies. So you want yep, Adam Driver no to look at, not the mask. <laughs> so for better or for worse. Hmm. Plus, you know, you play into that. Adam Driver or Kylo and Ray relationship that they are building, even if even if you get to, you know, what I think was going to be Ryan Johnson's 
what he was shooting for is Kylo Ren being the big bad. You're going to get Ray versus Kylo. That that relationship with them seeing each other is much easier to to fall in love with a face versus a mask. So, more um, any more favorite moments, Ben? Mm. No, I guess not. <laughs> Tapped out. Um, I guess the my I think one of my last ones here. Uh, I love the the whole R two D two callback for um for uh him playing the the princess leia hologram that really kicks luke into gear and um luke says that's a cheap shot i love how in the beginning of the movie like how it transitions from each of the um the storylines to where like whenever finn wakes up he's like where's ray they cut to the island then um luke uh says where's han and then they cut and i thought just it's just so seamless with how it's cutting back between this each storyline gosh i had such a good time watching this movie um I mean, I know we, we kind of mentioned it, but I guess we haven't really went into detail. But where okay. Laura Dern takes the takes and drives the ship in light speed through mm-hmm. the other ship. Yeah, silent, yeah. Like, the silent moment of the theater. Yeah, and like that is so crazy. That's such because such a good moment, like in film mm-hmm. and like in you know filmmaking, and like the, the fact that they had it in certain theaters to put up. There's a spot where the the movie goes silent. That's intentional. I'm like, do people like you really had that many people having an issue with that? Go by so like, fast. I don't I don't see how any would have time to like be confused, but oh well. Oy vey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, like, oh my god. I'm like, yeah. And then I watched it at home and I was just like, this is still so dope. Oh my god. Like <laughs> Like knowing it was going to happen. Yeah, maybe maybe the maybe the best scene of the movie. Definitely among um between the the five, it's, it's the Petroy uh it's the I'm so, uh, the Petro sorry I'm blanking on the name of the guard um the red guard Petroyan yeah but pe- pe- there Joey right I'm yeah. trying to the the um. Oh, the, the the red guards that are in the throne room. Yeah, the throne room. Sorry. Um. Yeah, between the throne room scene, that opening shot of the B wing, um, the gorilla ATATs, and then yeah, the the light speed um, taking down the star destroyer. Fantastic Star Wars moments, in my opinion. Yeah, five for stars sure. for me. I love this. Uh, I, I thought, it, like I said, it's my second favorite Star Wars movie. Five five stars as well. It's my second favorite numbered one. Um. I have Rogue One, Rogue One ahead of it, but not by much. Um, and we didn't hit Rogue One in our rewatch um, mm-hmm. through before we got to Rise of Skywalker, but I do want to, I do want to rewatch that one as well. I mean, in all fairness to Rise of Skywalker, I thought it was an excellent adventure movie. It felt different from the rest of them. The fact that they were all like kind of together going on this adventure to, um, you know, to save the day. So I enjoyed all that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to nitpick about it. I mean, with the, the Emperor coming back, I was it definitely did a double take whenever I found out that Ray was, um, you know, his granddaughter. I mean, that, was, that kind of felt like, like a Band-Aid they just had to put there in order to get everything all tied together. Um, how much into Rise of Skywalker did you guys want to get into? I mean, that's really up to you. Um, if you read my review, which I'm pretty sure you did... I don't write reviews that long, or I think you read the short version. I don't know if you went back and read the long version. Um, 
I don't write reviews that long. I had a, a lot to say once I sat down and thought about it. Um, my main thing is I feel that this whole sequel trilogy, if A, they would have let one director and writer do the whole thing, whether that was J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, another person, if it just had one person, like one voice, it would have been had continuity, it would have been better overall. Even if it's J.J. Abrams and they're just action-adventure popcorn movies, that would have been freaking fine. But instead, you've got J.J. Abrams with his movie, and then you've got Ryan Johnson trying to add all this depth, all this flavor, and then back to J.J. Abrams, and he's just like, I don't know what to do with this. Or maybe he, you know, he's just like, because apparently there was beef between the two of them or something. I don't know. I don't know if the legitimacy of that. And then you can just like, he, he you know, I'm sure you've read my reviews of all the Star Wars movies, where it's like he just tried to retcon everything. He had to go and take the scene where Ray, Kylo's like, Ray, your parents were nothing, and he had to make it into something. Now, granted, I feel that maybe Kylo was manipulating her, but mm -hmm. he has to go and make that into something, and it's whether you just have them all the same, it's, it's so much easier, and I feel like Disney screwed the pooch there. Also, Disney should have just kept their hand out of the melting pot and let whoever was going to do it, do it. And, mm -hmm. you, know, it's, you know, hey, this is what you got. You know, until the end, and don't just. Well, shoot! Originally, what the um the director of uh, Jurassic World was supposed to do this movie, and then after what um he had a really really bad um a really bad reviewed movie, and so they pulled him, and then had to you know put in well, yeah, um, and... JJ, and then people that had the backlash to Ryan even after Kathleen Kennedy was like praising him after this movie. So yeah, and then I mean, because this movie is critically the highest rated Star Wars movie. It is higher than Empire Strikes Back. Like you go to like Rotten Tomatoes and all that, like critically, it's higher than Empire Strikes Back by a lot. Um hmm. that being um Rise, not or not Rise, uh Jedi. Um so but then you know, look they did the same thing on Solo. I mean they had a director, took it out, put in Ron Howard and then mm -hmm. also we're not going to talk about how they release it, you know, five months after this movie, which was polarizing. You either love it or you hate it. And then yeah. let let it get cannibalized by the Marvel machine. So the Infinity War. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's part of the problem. They released too many in a short period of time. These there's no continuity like continuity. As again, that's all I ask. Continuity, 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 <laughs> continuity. That's definitely Please. a theme of the episode. <laughs> Uh, ben, did you have any um, thoughts on uh, the final Star Wars film there? Um, you know, there's uh, as as you were saying, Justin, there was a whole lot to nitpick. It's always hard to do endings, though. Yeah. Um, I think Joey makes a great point as well. I think I think having the same director probably would have helped a good mm -hmm. bit. Um, I liked. I liked the the uh, connection to Finn's past in this one. That was uh, a storm. Oh right, the, the um, he whenever he meets the other uh, stormtroopers that have rebelled. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. I thought I thought that was a smart um, portion of the movie. Um, you know, honestly, the the thing I've really had the biggest issue with with all three of them is I thought I thought it was really unnecessary uh, that the uh, 
the main characters from the original trilogy had to die. I realized this would have changed the movies a bit. I understand Leia dying, of course, but I didn't yeah. think he needed uh, to kill off Luke and Han. I thought that was actually a mistake. I mean, characters are allowed to retire, or at least they should be in these movies. I almost feel like it was probably in um, Harrison Ford's contract to kill him because he yeah. wanted to die after Empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and, and I've been I've been told that, uh, but that that still still leaves me disappointed. Um, yeah, true. It was a good shocking um, moment for force awakens so i really need to rewatch that movie um well at least with, with you know with han or not with han i'm sorry with luke i mean obviously with most any of the if the jedi they die they're not going to be dead obviously right, is, right. Um, but I, I wanted the physical luke well that's that's fair um but you know also those guys you know you know with leia and luke and han they're also i mean they're i mean the first ones were made 70 40 40 years ago, like, they're not young. So send them off to Jedi retirement land. <laughs> um, Anybody get a little, a little Wonder Woman feel whenever Ray does the X'd um, lightsabers <laughs> to deflect the lightning at the end? <clears throat> okay. Point no. taken. Um, yeah, I what did say, you What did you write? Why Rise of Skywalker? I, I guess I needed the. I don't. I only skimmed these reviews. I guess I need to really get into the meat here. Um, I gave. I I've not rated any Star Wars less than a three point five. Okay. All, all of the like quote un, quote unquote bad ones I've given a three point five. Um, this movie has one of the coolest scenes that is going to tie in. You know, talking about Han dying. So. Han dying on the bridge in The Force Awakens with, uh, you know, Kylo stabbing him. Or, you know, some people theorize Han stabbing himself so Kylo can go over to the dark side as Kylo kills Ben Solo. They have the scene on the fallen um, Death Star where Kylo is talking to a memory of his father. Mm -hmm. And Kylo essentially kill or Ben kills Kylo. And talk and about guess, a um, a plot hole. I mean, you clearly see at the end of uh, uh, um, Return of the Jedi that the whole Death Star vanishes. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's half there on Endor. <laughs> yes. Yep. Mm, yep. Mm -hmm. You know the map. The map in um, <clears throat> the Force Awakens. The map. The whole the whole thing. The whole trilogy is built on. But you know whatever. Um, yeah, that whole scene is is really cool. It's really great. They that is a, it's like a really perfect mirror, and you know, I, I really loved that. Um, it was a good way to get you know Harrison Ford back in. It obviously couldn't have him yeah, be a force ghost. That was a cool moment. Um, if, so I if, loved that scene. That was I was blown like completely blown away by that. Um, any final thoughts, the, Ben? The Return of Lando. Oh yeah, I loved loved seeing <laughs> Billy D. Williams um, in there, and uh, also, and I know she has a small part, but I'm glad they keep giving Carrie Fisher's daughter Billy Lord work. Okay, 
I also, um, they, I thought they, I mean, with Solo being so underrated, it's kind of a shame that uh, Lando, Lando's character and, uh, you know, Solo probably all goes to the wayside, unfortunately. Like, it's a shame that that movie got, you know, such terrible reviews and that's going to rob us of the, the Obi-Wan movie with Ewan McGregor, but that does give us the Obi-Wan TV show with mm-hmm. how well the how well Mandalorian is and has done. So, yeah, everybody's praising that. Have you seen all of the Mandalorian, Ben? Or I've not seen any of the Mandalorian. Pretty solid. I saw the first episode. You've seen all the way through, Joey? Yeah, I waited till it was completely finished and just binged it mm-hmm. um, in like two sittings. Like I did one sitting and like went to work and then I came back and like watched it like the next day. And it nice. was um, it was fantastic. Sweet. So that's that's some really good Star Wars. Um, so like if G- you were... Gina... I was about to say Gina Carano. Um, there's some other like good um, uh, cameos in there. Um, the dude from Breaking Bad's in there. I can't think of his name right now. Um, he's in there. He's it's, it's it's pretty good. So if you were to give um, Last Jedi a star rating, um, Ben, what would you give it? Uh, four four out of five. Okay. I gave it a five. It was four and a half when I first saw it. Five went up the next time, and it remains a five for me. Joey? Five both times. Nice. All right. That leads us to... All right, we'll move on. <laughs> oh, nice big uh, meaty Star Wars talk with lots of uh, lots of good stuff there. All right, so um, you haven't peeked at the, the next challenge movie, have you, um, Joey? It actually came I mean... up in this... Mm-hmm. It's it was literally down the side. I didn't mean to. You just have it listed on the side in the outline. Oh, it's really oh, okay. So it's Fargo, one of my favorite movies. So um, it's in the outline. Really, I guess I need to yeah. stop. I redacted in the script. So uh, <laughs> you should have told me. Have you seen it in the outline before? No. Okay, it just happened to me this time. Okay. Yeah. So you and you haven't seen um, Coen Brothers Fargo before, right? No. Actually, I I think this will be because uh, they did they, they they did the movie with the soggy body soggy bottom boys, correct? Yeah, it's oh brother, we're out there. Yeah, that movie I enjoyed, and then I enjoyed um, obviously the Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what movie of theirs I watched that I didn't like, so yeah, I can curious to hear about that. So yeah, Fargo for um, the next challenge. Let's see, uh, that's one of my favorites. Um, my family's from Minnesota, so that definitely taps into uh, my family roots. So, um, what's going to be uh, the next uh, feature movie, Joey? The Duelist by Ridley oh, okay. Scott. Have you ever seen The Duelist um, before, Ben? No, I'm not. Um, I'm trying it's to. One, it's one of Here's... his first. It's one of his first movies. I've heard it's really entertaining. Just looking it up here. Um... No, that's a Russian movie. Okay, no. Oh, oh duist, plural. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, and it's based on a Joseph Conrad story, supposedly. Nice. All right. I'm looking forward to uh, The Duelist and Fargo next time around. Thanks so much to everyone that is following the show. And if you want to join the club, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much for um, joining the club, uh, Ben. I thought we had some great chemistry tonight. I hope you felt comfortable chatting oh, yeah, with us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Awesome. And how can uh, people ask questions of the show, Joey? Um, they can email us at the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast at gmail.com. Of course, um, always leave any comments or anything like that um, directly beneath um, in the comment section here on YouTube. Um, or we have a Facebook page um, as well. They can comment there. So Nice. All right, everyone. Happy movie watching. It's cool. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night. Good night. Just might be my mason.